Open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 28. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 460. We're going to take a break this week from our study of Philippians. We've got one message left from Philippians, and we'll take this moment to look at the Psalm of David. We don't know the exact circumstance in which David writes this psalm, this psalm that is a prayer to the Lord, but David and the people are under some kind of threat. This psalm speaks of the blessing of prayer, and it models for us what faith in the Lord can look like. This psalm shows us how a person of faith can navigate the uncertainties of life, trusting in the Lord. And as we'll see, we can trust the Lord and the, word is, the Lord is worthy of our praise because he is the God who hears his people. He is the God who helps his people. He is the God who saves his people. Let's look at the psalm now, Psalm 28. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Of David, to you, O Lord, I call. My rock, do not be deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hand. Render them their due reward. And with that, let's pause for a moment. Aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't give to us the reward that we deserve for our wrongdoing? But in Christ... He has forgiven us of that. Verse 5. They do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save the people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your enduring word. And Lord, by your word and by your spirit, help us to see how we can endure also trusting in you and confidently resting in you because you are the God who hears us and you are the God who helps us. Help us in every way that we need to be helped, Lord. Save us, O God, our rock, in every way that we are so desperate for you to save us. Hear our prayer, O God. Amen. Well, I was reminded this week of a scene in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Amy's favorite movie. And it's that point in the movie where George is at his lowest point. He's desperate. He's so desperate even that he's willing to consider taking his own life. And at that very moment when things are most uncertain for George, his friends 
and his family and his neighbors of Bedford Falls flood heaven with prayers for their friend and for their father and for their husband, George Bailey. And you know, there's a degree to which we did that for one another this past week. This has been a tough week. It's been a, a tough several weeks for many of the families in our little church. These past couple of weeks have been hard weeks for many of our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as several of our families have been dealing with COVID and with other illnesses. Some families have even lost loved ones to this disease in these past two weeks. But throughout this time, throughout this past week and, and even weeks before, I've, I've been touched about by your concern for one another. Virtually every day over the course of this last week or two, as I've had conversation with, with different ones of you on different days, on almost every day I've had someone ask me, Daryl, how are, how are the Allens doing? Have you heard an update on how Lucy's doing? How's Betsy doing after her father's passing? What about Dave and Lynette? Dave, Dave had COVID. Have you heard? Has, has Lynette, is, is she okay? What about the Pipers? We, we know that, that, I, that Elijah especially might be at risk from COVID. How's he doing? What about Bob? How's Rich doing? Lando, Heather, Haley, how are they all doing? We've been praying these past weeks, praying for ourselves, praying for our families, praying for one another. Why? Why would we do that? Why do we pray? Well, as we see in this psalm, we as God's people can and should pray like we see David pray in the psalm. In our times of danger, in our times of uncertainty. Because God is the God who hears us. And he is the God who helps us. And he is the God who saves us. David begins his prayer, his lament, To you, O Lord, I call. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, my rock. And then note the desperation in David's voice. He says, oh Lord, don't be silent to me. Because if you are, if you don't answer me, I know I'm going to be toast. If you're silent to me, I'm going to be like those who go down to the pit. Without your saving, sovereign mercy, Lord, I'll be like those who experience your judgment. Banished from your presence. Banished from life itself because of my sinfulness along with all those other godless wrongdoers. Again, note David's desperation. Verse 2, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. David's crying out to the Lord. He's desperate for the Lord to hear him. He's desperate for the Lord to save him. David cries out to the Lord. I've heard someone say before that when we are in need, we are in need of crying out to the Lord. And when we cry out to the Lord, we can expect him to hear 
Because that's who he is. He is the God who hears. All throughout scripture, God's shown himself to be that kind of God. He revealed himself to Hagar in Genesis 16 as she was in affliction in the wilderness. He revealed himself to her as the God who hears her. And in Exodus 2 and 3, the the people of Israel are oppressed, held in slavery in Egypt. In Exodus 2, 23 and 24, we're told, And the people of Israel groaned out because of their slavery. They cried out to God for help. They cried for rescue from slavery. And that cry came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And then God tells Moses in Exodus 3, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cries, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. Come, Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt. The Lord is the God who hears his people. When we cry out to him. And he is the God who doesn't just hear, but he's also the God who responds. He's the God who helps his people. He's the God who saves his people. And notice to whom it is to whom David prays to. In verse 1, he prays to the Lord. And if you look in your Bible, probably you'll see that word, the Lord. Probably that's capitalized. Most translations, whenever you see that word, Lord, capitalized, that's the Hebrew word for Yahweh. And Yahweh is the most personal name that the Lord refers to himself in Scripture. And especially, Yahweh is the covenantal name of God. When the Lord entered into his covenants with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob and Moses and David, he did that as Yahweh. And so when when David invokes the name of the Lord, when, when David invokes the name of Yahweh, what he's doing in essence is asking the Lord to remember his promises to preserve his people. And those promises of God enable us to go confidently to the Lord in prayer because we know that if the Lord has promised it, he will surely do it. For the one who has promised is faithful, Scripture says. The Lord, Yahweh, is faithful to his promises and he's faithful to his people. He is the God who hears. He is the God who helps. He is the God who saves. Now, to whom else is David praying to? Well, look again at verse 1, if you would, please. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. David makes his plea to be heard to the Lord, Yahweh. But he also presents his plea to the God who is his rock. Whenever this kind of language is employed in the Bible, we should think of it as a a place of security, a fortress, a place of safety, a refuge. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is saved. 
2 Samuel 21, 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. Friends, that's to whom you were praying to this week as you prayed for yourselves and for your family and for your friends and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are praying to your God who is to you your rock. This one who can protect you. This one who protects all those for whom you were praying. And this God who is our rock isn't just a passive place of refuge. You know, maybe we'd be tempted to think that. Maybe he's like a, a, a place in a cliff where you can find shelter, where it's not easy for your enemies to get to. And it's right to think of the Lord as a rock like that. He's that strong tower in whom we can find shelter and protection. But this God who is our rock is also an active God. The God who is our rock is also the one who provides for his people. Here I think of Exodus 17. When the people of God are in the wilderness after the Exodus, thirsty and parched in the dry desert. They cry out to Moses. They cry out to the Lord. And Moses strikes his rock with his staff. And a flood of water comes out, sufficient to satisfy the needs of the people. The God who is our rock isn't a passive God, but he's active on behalf of his people, giving to us that life, that life-giving provision that we need. And the Christian remembers that in 1 Corinthians 10, we're told that Jesus Christ is that rock from which the people of Israel drank from in the desert. He's the one also from whom rivers of living waters flow and from whom all those who believe in him will be satisfied and never thirst again. And Christ isn't just the rock, but according to 1 John 2, 1, he's also our advocate who stands before the Father pleading our case. And because of that, we can be sure that our prayers will be heard. Our prayers will be answered. He's the one also who, according to Romans 8, 34, intercedes for us, standing ever before the Father, praying for us. And not only does God the Son intercede for us, but God the Holy Spirit as well. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. Friends, the Lord hears you and he will help you. We see that in verse 6. In verses 1 and 2, David made a plea for a hearing. In verses 3 through 5, David makes a plea for deliverance. And in verses 6 and 7, David gives a praise to the God who hears and helps. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord, 
for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. The Lord has indeed heard. And because our God isn't a passive God, but instead he's the God who helps his people, David looks forward with confidence to the saving, redeeming, preserving help of the Lord. Do you know the Lord in this way? Have you come to know the Lord in this way that David has? As your strength, as your shield, as your rock in whom you find protection and provision. I pray that you have. And if you haven't, please talk to me. Or if you'd rather, talk to Amy. We'd love to help you to come to know the Lord in this way. David gives praise to the God who is his strength and his shield. He gives praise to this covenant promise-keeping God who is his rock. And in the second half of verse 7, we see the proper response of faith to this God who is the God who hears us and who helps us. Look at the second half of verse 7, if you will, please. And, and do you see there what I'm calling the proper response of faith? Do you see it there? What is it? In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. Our proper response of faith to this God who is our Lord and our rock, our strength and our shield, our proper response of faith to this God who hears us and helps us is what? That we would trust in him and that we would give thanks to him. The proper response of faith is that our hearts would exult in him, that we would take profound joy in him, That's what Paul's been encouraging us to do so often in our study of Philippians when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's exulting in one's heart, taking joy, finding delight in the person of God. Does your heart rejoice in the Lord like this? Does your heart exult in God? It's the Lord's desire that our hearts would. The Lord is my strength and my shield, David says. In verses 3 through 5, David writes of how evil is in the heart of the wicked, but exaltation for the Lord, great joy in the Lord, is to be in the hearts of those whom the Lord has bound himself to covenantally. My heart, David says, our hearts trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Do you want healing for your flesh? Do you want refreshment to your bones? Do you want this kind of deep, abiding refreshment and joy and peace? 
then let your heart exult in God. Let him become your greatest joy. Worship him. Praise him. Trust in him. That's the proper response of faith because the Lord saves us. We see that in verses 8 and 9 where David gives his praise for God's preservation of his people and the Lord's anointed. He says, the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. In verse 8, David says that the Lord will be the saving refuge of his anointed. And that raises a question for us. Who is David speaking about when he makes reference of the Lord's anointed? Well, in the Psalms, David is often referred to as God's anointed because he was God's chosen king of Israel. But even when Saul was king, you might remember that David often referred to Saul as being God's anointed. So in a sense, every king of Israel is God's anointed. So when David prays to the Lord that the Lord would preserve the life of God's anointed, he's praying that the Lord would preserve him. He also desires that the Lord would always preserve the life and the the royal house of Israel, the king, as an indication that the people of Israel will continue as a nation and as a people consecrated to God. The king of Israel, including David, they're also a kind of representative of the people. And that again contributes to this concept that this reference to the Lord saving his anointed can also mean that the Lord would save and continue the people of Israel. David says as much in verse 9 when he prays, O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. The Lord's anointed can refer to the people of God. It can also refer, of course, to Messiah. The Hebrew words that's translated as anointed is translated as that word Messiah. In the Greek New Testament, it's translated as Christos or Christ. Speaking of Christ, Peter in Acts 2 and Paul in Acts 13 make reference to Christ and the Father serving as a saving refuge for God's anointed. Quoting David from Psalm 1610, saying of God about Christ, you will not let your Holy One see decay. And we remember that although Christ did taste death after his giving of himself as an offering for our sin, Death and the grave could not hold him. And he was raised up, resurrected, and then later raised up again to the Father's right hand in heaven. God the Father was a saving refuge for his Son, the Anointed One, Jesus. And for all those who trust in him, for all those who exult in him, he'll be a saving refuge for them and for us as well. Now note that this preserving work of the Lord is exactly that. It's a work that the Lord does. Verse 8, it is the Lord who is the strength of, of of his people. It's the Lord 
who is the saving refuge of his anointed. It's the Lord who saves his people. It's the Lord who blesses his heritage. It's the Lord who shepherds and carries them. The Lord is the one who does that. The Lord here in this psalm doesn't say that he will give us strength, but it says he is our strength. But although it's true that God is the one who preserves us, we're still also called to an action as well. Just as the God who is our rock is not passive, but instead acts in the same way, we also are not to be passive, but God calls upon us to act also. And what is that action that God calls us to in this psalm? Well, again, verse 7. The proper response of faith for his people. We apply ourselves to the ongoing work of trusting the Lord. We apply ourselves to training our hearts to exalt in the Lord above all things. We continue to practice the work and what a delightful work it is of giving thanks to him. Of rejoicing in the Lord always. We apply ourselves also, as Christ calls us to in John 15, to abide in Christ. We apply ourselves to the daily practice of walking in the Spirit, of keeping in step with the Spirit, and of living by the power of the Spirit, as we're called to do in Galatians 5 and Romans 8 and elsewhere. But even in that, even in our work of continuing to trust in the Lord, Even in that, God is there with us, empowering us, helping us by the power of the Holy Spirit, producing in us the spiritual fruit of faithfulness. The Lord is the God who hears us. He is the God who helps us. He is the God who saves us. We can trust in him and exalt in him because he who called you is faithful. We can respond to this God who hears and who helps because of his covenantal faithfulness to his people. We can rightly respond in faith to this God who saves us because of his faithfulness to you. The Lord saves his people. The Lord shepherds his people. He carries his people. He offers also to shepherd and to carry you. Hear the words of the Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, from John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And my Father, who is greater than all, he holds them in his hands, and no one is able to snatch them from his hands. This is what's true for all those who have been redeemed by this God who hears us and helps us and saves us. But we remember that this abundance of blessing to us did not come without a very high cost. For as Jesus in John chapter 10, speaking of the good shepherd, says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let's close with those familiar words of Hebrews 4, 14 through 18, which ties all of this together for those who trust in Jesus 
as their rock and their strength and their shield and their shepherd. The writer of the letter of Hebrews, Since then we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore then, with confidence, boldly approach the throne of grace, so that we might, see, might receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Pray with me again, please. Lord, we thank you that you hear us, and that you help us, and that you have saved us, and that you will continue to save us. Help us to remember that when we are in need, we are in need of crying out to you. Help us to trust in you always. Train our hearts to praise you, to exalt in you above all else. Grant this prayer and every prayer, Lord, we pray in the name of and in the power of and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.